Our Asia correspondent today, uh, welcome to Emily Feng. She's international correspondent for NPR covering China, Taiwan and beyond, but is with us uh, from New York today. Emily, uh, thanks for your time. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Good morning. Now, what is the latest, please, in the uh, ever-grand tensions in China? Just remind us, we've, um, we've, we've, we've of course, been following the uh, fortunes of this indebted property developer because of the implications uh, for China's economy and beyond. But what is happening, please, with um, police uh, surveillance of ever-grand and detentions, in fact, in China? It's been an extremely dramatic week for Evergrande. Actually, an extremely dramatic two years, but this week it's all come to a head. It began with the former CEO and former chief financial officer being detained in China for allegedly misusing company funds. We don't have details beyond that. Then the company came out and said, we are stopping trading of our shares because they have a listed entity on the Hong Kong Stock Exchange. And then earlier today, the company came out and confirmed that their current chairman, the founder of the company, a man named Xu Jiayin, he had been detained on alleged criminal misdeeds, and the government is currently investigating him. So it's been a quite rapid fall for a ginormous company that's really been at the center of a sector, property and construction, that has been crucial to China's economic growth in the last two decades. Any reasons for the surveillance or for detention? No reason stated, but we can guess. Evergrande has always been among the top three biggest property real estate developers in China. And as I mentioned, development of property has been a big sector that's created, depending on who you ask, up to one-fourth to one-third of China's GDP every single year. So it's a big player, but the reason why it's gotten so big is it takes on huge amounts of debt, then it asks people to put down down payments to pay for apartments or other buildings that have yet to be built, and then it builds those buildings and pays people back. And that cycle works as long as you can keep building, keep expanding, and you get cheap loans, basically guaranteed liquidity from a mostly state-run banking sector in China. What's changed in the last three years is the Chinese government has decided to close off that faucet of easy money of just giving out loans to property developers and asking them to make good on some of those loans and also to reduce the ratio of debt they have to actual assets that they have. And Evergrande and a number of other companies have not been able to make good on those loans. They haven't been able to pay back investors. And that cycle that I just described has been cut short. And so depending on how the government handles Evergrande, and it seems like they're coming down hard if they're detaining some of their top leadership, depending on how the Chinese state handles Evergrande, we may have a model for how other companies will be dealt with. Now, in Taiwan, tensions and uh, questions of disinformation, this is the run-up to the January presidential elections. Just explain more, please, about those elections and uh, and uh, current leadership and, and sort of brief us on what we should know ahead of that. Right. So Taiwan is this democratic island. China has long claimed it's part of China, but Taiwan basically functions at its, as its own country. China does not control it at all. And it's going into its own presidential elections, <clears throat> which are held every four years this coming January. Now, what's really interesting is that Taiwan models its election system after the United States. And it also faces a lot of democracy-related questions that you or I, as a voter in New Zealand and the U.S., might find relevant. So, for example, disinformation. Taiwan speaks Mandarin Chinese. Uh, it's an open society, so it gets a lot of news from Chinese news sources, from Chinese language social media. That makes it really, really easy for Communist Party-controlled or influence outlets to seed 
distrust and put wrong information in news reports and social media posts that people in Taiwan are consuming. And so this has been a long running battle for people in Taiwan, um, particularly because sometimes that misinformation can affect election outcomes. As the presidential election rolls around this coming January, different Taiwanese politicians have been coming out and saying the misinformation machine from China is ramping up again. In particular, we're seeing a lot of posts that are trying to sow distrust of the U.S.'s relationship with Taiwan. The U.S. is a big security guarantor of Taiwan. It sells Taiwan a lot of military and defense equipment. There's questions about whether the U.S. might even come in and like defend Taiwan with troops and naval carriers if China ever invaded. And so a lot of the misinformation that you've been seeing this year coming from um, people think China, but they aren't sure. But a lot of the misinformation has been trying to sow doubt about how much the U.S. actually cares about Taiwan. Now, I mentioned Taiwan's an open society. So this is why it's so hard to establish whether or not this disinformation is coming from China, because social media is not censored. News is not censored. People can open accounts without real name registration. People in China and Taiwan often speak the same language and dialect, so it's really, really hard sometimes to say whether or not this disinformation and misinformation is coming from China. But analysts I've spoken to think that at least some of it is. And those elections are due when, please? In January 13th. So coming up soon, and Taiwan is in full-blown campaign season right now. Thank you very much. That is Emily Feng. She is an NPR reporter uh, normally based in Taiwan but is uh, currently back in uh, New York from whence she is speaking to us.